Welcome to the New Monks. This podcast is dedicated to those of us on the journey of evolution. Through these episodes, we will dive into the lives of individual people and discover what they have learnt and how they have handled their growth. We believe that we all have wisdom to be shared with each other and can learn from listening to each other's stories. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you feel like leaving us a review and sharing the love, that would be greatly appreciated. So this is just a heads up because, you know, there's a lot of information that is coming to light at the moment. And through these episodes, each person is going to share a different side of that for them. Now, this isn't to say that every single thing that is shared here is going to be 100% accurate, you know. It's just not where we are right now. It's just not the case of the unravelling and the disclosures that are being revealed to us. Obviously, things are always, always changing and in one moment something can be so real and so true and the next moment is completely shifted and changed into something else. This is the journey of evolution. This is the journey of incension that we are going through right now. So this is just an invitation that you're discernment is really really important as always as usual please take what resonates and leave the rest thank you hi and welcome back to the new monks podcast i am jay muller and today i am speaking to ritika from india she's been speaking out these past two three years and that's how i came across her page on instagram And she's just really used that platform to portray her perspective and how she views the world. In this episode, she really is speaking us through her awakening process and how it all unfolded in her early 20s. She was out living the good life and not really concerned about the political and social impacts on what was taking place in the world. And then she studied in Italy, which, as she describes, really helped her to analyse her thinking and questioned things in a different way. And it was her brother, her older brother, that sparked a line of curiosity, which then led her down some rabbit holes, finding out about the children and that darkness in the world, which really brought her into a real deep state of sadness, which obviously is natural. And I feel like this is something that we will all or have or will come to terms with when we really want to know the truth and we find out because it is dark and it's ugly and it's yeah it's something that we really have to figure out how to comprehend and she describes what helped her was learning about philosophy and the Bhagavad Gita and these wider perspectives that helps that help us to interpret and understand our world so from that moment forward And from this moment forward, now she's found a way to be a lot more stable within the knowing of what's taking place. And, um, yeah, to find a way to be a bit more grounded, I guess, rather than feeling like (laughs) you have to save the world. (laughs) Which, again, I think is something that a lot of people can probably resonate to, especially when you know so much of what's going on. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please do like, leave a comment, subscribe. Thank you.
So hi, Ritika, thank you so much for being here and um, yeah, willing to share your st story. I'm quite intrigued because I've just come across what you've been sharing on Instagram. And um, yeah, I love the videos that you did, but it seemed a bit like uh, almost poetry that you mm -hmm. were, that you'd written I mean, yourself, right? Yeah, uh, firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. And it's so amazing that we sort of like have this crazy connection of knowing each other from almost yeah. another world. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, so I actually, I started writing poetry um, earlier in 2021. And there was never any like steadfast decision as to, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start writing poetry or whatever. The idea was just, I was on an Instagram sabbatical for two years prior to that, where I wasn't posting anything. And I'd like deleted all of my friends and everyone from my social circle uh, off of my Instagram, because I just didn't want to be in anyone's business anymore. And, uh, and people were quite offended by it is what I heard initially. But honestly, I didn't care because I was just on my own mission. <laughs> and uh, what I did is I just followed all of the pages, you know, pages about consciousness, pages about, um, you know, openly discussing uh, political discourse and um, so like a variety of things about just like vibrational frequencies and just like this I opened myself up to an entire world of like holistic health and education and nutrition and just a vast variety of topics that I was super interested in and I decided that I was going to use Instagram um, with complete intent and I was very absolute about it like there was no bullshit on my feed at all um, it was a beautiful time. Um, can't say it. I mean, it was two two years long. And then when I, and then when I realized, so I came back to India after the first wave of the pandemic. Um, and after, I mean, I'm not gonna call it a pandemic because it wasn't a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I say pandemic by mistake, and I'm like, hold on, <laughs> that, that was a slip yeah. of the tongue. That's not the right word. Uh, but yeah, let's call it what it is. So when when I came back after the first wave and they started, you know, with the with the second wave propaganda, I was here and I realized that um, all of the people that I loved so dearly around me were very taken by the agenda, which is, um, I mean, I I don't place any blame because in India we live in very uh, familial. Uh, structures so we're all living with either like our parents or our grandparents so you know somebody in the family that could potentially be um, vulnerable to an illness like how they ex as they expressed COVID was so uh, everybody you know was when and when and took the vaccine without even thinking about it and there was just there was no critical analysis of the um, of the information that was being uh, that was being, you know, disseminated, which I found really crazy because my first response to information, and this has not always been the case. This has obviously, you know, been uh, it. It was a long time coming, and it took a lot of deprogramming and a lot of deconditioning to get to this point. But when I um, when I look at information or I'm exposed to anything, I first uh, research all the possibilities, like within the spectrum of our reality. And then I internalize that information to figure out, you know, what my own, what the information in my DNA or within the collective is actually telling me. And I think that that is a very special response that I learned over time. But it's just obviously not something that um, 
was happening in like a very la- on a very large scale. It was happening with people individually uh, in like pockets of the world. And those people started magnetizing towards each other, which was incredible, which is also my story about, you know, how I came in touch with all of these amazing people, including yourself, um, when I came back to India. And the reason that I came back to social media was because I finally felt like I had a voice mm-hmm. and I had something to say. So after consuming information for two years straight and not saying anything at all, I just wanted to be quiet and assimilate all of it and internalize all of it. And after two years of doing that and doing a, you know, a wide variety of research on so many topics, I decided, you know what, there's something that I need to give back now and I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, weirdly enough, it started expressing itself as poetry and it was it was very strange so i would only have these poetic thoughts just before i slept or just as i woke up so mm-hmm. in my theta yeah. delta brainwave state and very early on i started you know to sort of think whether i was like are these my thoughts or are these thoughts that are being passed on to me you know is this independently what i've been thinking is this a, is this a product of my own conditioning and programming or mm-hmm. the information that i've been accumulating or is it something interdimensional and honestly i'm still to figure out those answers because sometimes i feel like as soon as i have a thought i try to break it down and i'm like is this my own and i'm not entirely sure it always is so um mm. it's been it's been fascinating <laughs> that's a really good question <laughs> Yeah, thank you for that intro. It's funny that you said about Instagram because I did the same thing. I I removed everyone I was following. I took a little break, same thing. But anyway, before we dive in, um, we'll come to touch on everything you spoke about. If we can just take a few deep breaths in and out. Sure. And then just tell us how you're feeling right now. I feel good. I feel really good. I feel like I'm finally in a place where I don't feel like the burden of the entire planet is on my shoulders because I know that there, that there was a feeling of that initially, you know, during um the the entire upheaval when we were like trying to speak to people and convince them and you know the 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 idea was to bring forth information that would help people to save our like friends and family and everybody that was you know just just in in the deep end of what was going on and i feel like that was a very traumatizing time for me and for a lot of people around me who um who had sort of who had who were privy to this um the spectrum of information that wasn't actually uh encapsulated in anything that the mainstream media was putting out there 
And I think that um, that feeling has now subsided that feeling of like, you know, why, why, why don't people get it? Why aren't people getting it? Like, how can I, what can I do to help? And this, you know, almost it was, it's the space in between like extreme energy and apathy, because on one level, you really want to give it everything you have and mm -hmm. save the world. And um, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, that it's just not possible so you're somewhere in this like twilight zone, which never feels nice. Obviously, it just feels like, um, you know, you're in limbo. And I think that now I am feel, I'm feeling very good about the fact that I'm out, out of that situation. I'm feeling very empowered in my own understanding of what's happening around me. And also in, um, in just my path and my purpose. And I think that the more I'm... Uh, recognizing what that is I think uh, the more unconvoluted everything around me is getting there's there's just so much clarity suddenly mm -hmm. within the past six months that has been I think integral to my to my own development mm. I love that I feel like that's something I've definitely noticed as well there's the, the further you go the more clarity there is at one mm -hmm. time it can be super confusing you know but what mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people can probably uh, connect with what you said there, um, feeling like this, you know, need to save the world kind of thing, and then getting a bit lost in that, I guess. What is it, what shifted for you to come to this place now, where you are now? I mean, so I think it was the introduction um, of a lot of philosophy into my life, like a lot of Eastern philosophy that has, that has helped me um, understand my own situation and understand what's happening in the world from a more macrocosmic perspective because when you're looking at things it's just so immediate to your reality mm -hmm. and it becomes very um which is why it, it feels so real and it feels so like the 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 urgency is so high but I feel like when you zoom out and you look at things uh from a broader perspective you're able to then analyze that you know what, there's probably nothing I can do about the entire, uh, the entire circle. But there is, I can start at the point, And that point is me. And my whole perspective on what changes um, transformed into the change needing to be within and not without. Mm. And I think the idea of, you know, like this, the past, I would say, eight months, especially has been uh, very rigorous in terms of working on myself and working on my own shortcomings, uncovering deep shadows that were that have been hidden, you know, over and over again until they're at the surface. Embracing myself, embracing those shadows, uh, embracing the light and the dark aspect of you know the entire your entire nature. Um, so yeah, I think that that has been that's been astronomical to my uh, development and to my um, evolution, even in terms of how I approach people and how I approach situations or how, how I want to write about them or how I want to express myself. Um, I think that that's been great because I read somewhere that because my, my entire justification for all of my behavior, ever since I was a child, actually, was that well, I'm telling the truth. So what's the problem with that? 
Mm. And I think that, and this has always been something that's been a part of me, you know, even when I was younger, it was always, no, but I'm telling the truth. So why should there be a problem with that? And, uh, and I read something which changed my reality completely, which said, truth without compassion is cruelty. Mm. And reading that really grounded me. And there was another level of like dissolution of the ego. And it was like, you know what, you may be giving people information that you've arrived at. But firstly, that isn't necessarily the truth, because truth, although there is an objective truth, within that objective truth, there are, there's a multiplicity of subjective truths as well. So I think understanding that and becoming all right with that uh, was very, very important. And I think that, you know, grasping at that perspective has made it much easier to then dispel information or perspective or, you know, whatever within, like, whatever you want, want to call it, mm-hmm. um, knowledge. I think, uh, yeah, grasping at that perspective made it very easy to be very passionate and very empathetic in dealing with people and dealing with this whole um, upheaval that humanity is, that the collective is going through currently. So was that a recent discovery? I think it was recent. I feel like it was a long time coming because um, so th- so lately I've been I've been um, experiencing this and talking about this with with people that I know quite a lot, which is the feedback loop, which is uh, the loop of your conscience, what I call it, and uh, that feedback loop has become really really quick lately. So as we're ascending you know as our own consciousness is ascending from a 3d to a 5d reality or you know that the frequency is changing or rising um all of the things that you could get away with in the past you know you could say something mean or like be sort of misaligned with yourself and get away with it and it would feel all right and you know you think about it later and sort of introspect and it it still it still didn't make a, a real dent I think now that's been amplified to a point that you cannot ignore it. Mm-hmm. Like when when I do something or I say something that's misaligned with who I need to be or the frequency that I need to bring to this planet, it's immediate. Like there's mm-hmm. a there's a feedback loop immediately. Like my neurons are going crazy and they're just like that's not the path you're on, you know, mm-hmm. find yourself, re reconfigure where you need to be, because where you need to be is, uh, is very clear in, in when you ground mm-hmm. within yourself, you're very clear about who you want to be and who you need to be today. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, just like snapping back to that reality mm-hmm. as much as you can has been yeah. very beneficial. Like realigned to the mission. <laughs> what, um, mm-hmm. I like what you said about the philosophy that it really helped you, I guess, to yeah, speak more compassionately and especially Eastern philosophy, because I feel like when you have that, then you get the bigger picture. And like you said, there's like, mm-hmm. there is a truth, but there's, it's multidimensional. So you've got to be, able, in order to be compassionate as well, you have to be able to see that. And I feel like this Absolutely. is huge thing because with a lot of people who've been communicating that this is a whole lesson for us is to you know whatever this passion the anger whatever it is it's like it's such an intricate thing to how we are communicating you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's, I mean, I feel like Eastern philosophy is very holistic. And that's the reason that I love it. And I gravitate towards it very easily is even the way in which we describe nature, like the in the way in which uh, the Gita describes nature mm-hmm. is um, we call it Prakriti. And when we think about na- nature through Western ideology or through Western scientific three-dimensional perspective, we think of the four elements, which is earth, fire, wind, water. Um, in Eastern philosophy, nature or Prakriti comprises of not only earth, fire, wind, water, also ether, mind, intellect, and the sense of I. And this is nature. So when you think about nature, you know, when you think about don't litter, like, you know, the the micro perspectives within how we should treat uh, our environment. I think the the most unfortunate thing is that we experience a separation from this nature that's outside of us. But actually, the nature within and the nature without is one. We're one with this planet and we're one consciousness. And uh, it's it's not separate. And I think the more we, the closer we come to that understanding, it will radically uh, transform our, our interactions with our environment, with our surroundings, with each other, circumstantially, you know, within like from people to social strata to any uh, paradigm of divide that we experience will disintegrate when we start Mm. viewing the world and ourselves as one Mm, definitely I think so Um, that's an amazing distinction with the way it's described in the Bhagavad Gita like it makes so much sense as well it's like yeah that's how Mm. it's incorporated that's how we are incorporated into the design you know (laughs) absolutely yeah um so I would love to hear about your journey before this huge transformation that's going on right now because I feel like most people who have come to this awareness they've had like a previous little journey you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like it was uh, another life you know (laughs) when I think about it it actually feels it feels crazy I know that the last couple of years at least feel they feel real because I think they they're they're closer to who I am now than I've ever been but the time before that like you know say five years ago seven years ago like when I probably met you when I was 21 years old and I was being crazy when I was in London I feel like it it just feels like another life you know and um, (laughs) a lot of so I I spoke to someone uh, also on a podcast a, a very dear friend who asked me and he was like have you always been like this and I said well absolutely not I know that there was there was always a seed within me as a child which I recognized which I think even my parents recognized very early on where I had a lot of quite existential questions you know like I would ask questions like because in India you live in a society where poverty is very uh is very immediate in your surroundings. It's not something you rarely see. It's something you live with and interact with all the time. So when I saw a, like a poor child on the road and I was in my car with my mom, I I would ask her questions like, why am I here? And why is that child there? You know, what have I done to deserve this life and to be here? Mm-hmm. And what has that child done to, to, to be there? So I know that there was always an intrinsic understanding or realization of the fact that something is gravely wrong with our world. 
You know, the fact that there are countries in the West that live in complete opulence or have lived in complete opulence. And then there's such, um, you know, and such an opposing reality in the East where, you know, there's so many cultures that live in destitute poverty. And it always made me feel like there's just something not right about that. It's just, it feels... uh, it feels misshapen, like it feels mm. uneven. And this asymmetry confused me and made me ask a lot of questions growing up. But I feel like, you know, at some point, I stopped asking those questions. And I was more consumed by the cultural narrative of what was happening around me. Because suddenly, those questions didn't matter. And it was more important to be cool. And it was more important, like, you know, be seen or be known or be you know whatever you whatever sort of things that you deal with when you're a teenager and things like that and in the effort of being that I remember I was quite I was quite like a fat child uh when I was maybe um from the ages of like 14 to 16 and I struggled with a with a pretty serious eating disorder post that and when I think about what that came from it was 100 percent uh cultural conditioning you know we grew up watching these uh incredibly beautiful at that time we thought that was you know the uh the ideal of beauty these incredibly beautiful uh societally beautiful models that were um ramrod thin and like super skinny just skin and bones and we weren't able we were so conditioned by that idea of uh of yeah aesthetic that we weren't able to understand anything outside of it like growing up we were it, although I'm I'm from India where we're you know where like probably 85% of the population is dark skinned or wheat, wheat skinned um, we hated being dark we hated being dusky and we were grown up told that if we were dark or dusky it was a disgusting thing so this was also something that you know I had to intent very intentionally break away from and I'm so glad that we're in a world today where we're you know uh, exposed to this completely different side of the fashion industry and different side of information which has also been bastardized in its own way unfortunately we'll get there Uh, but I do think that the, the beautiful part of it is that people are learning to appreciate all sorts of people and all sorts of features and all kinds of beauty, you know, because there is so many different types of beauty and beauty isn't only skin deep. It it mm-hmm. goes far, 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 far more deeper than that. And there's so many layers that need to be peeled off before you're able to understand that as a child and as a teenager, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, my struggle with the eating disorder and my struggle with atheism, I call it a struggle because it was a struggle, um, I was so I used to listen to a lot of metal music growing up and I was like a crazy metalhead and I was so consumed by the um, demon uh, de- demonic cool uh, narrative you know there's a rhetoric in culture where like and where you where it's not like true anarchy it's like demonic anarchy or like fascism or whatever they want to call it um that being cool and that being you know uh i don't know i feel like it's it's been portrayed in culture a lot and it sort of <laughs> sent me down this very strange atheist route uh, okay, but okay. i i 
I think I bounced back from that pretty quickly. I became <laughs> agnostic because I realized actually, the, like the gothic kind of scene. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not just gothic. I feel like um, yeah. it. It is. It is just. Uh, it is Satanism expressing itself through music and through vibration and basically conditioning your mind. That's oh, now when I break yeah. it down. Yeah, and uh, I think that unfortunately, what we discount so heavily like tesla for example said that if you really want to understand the universe you think in terms of energy frequency and vibration because that is what everything is you know we think we think of everything from such a physical um dimension because where because our science is limited to that dimension but actually there's there's multiple dimensions and the dimension that all of the work actually happens that then manifests in the physical dimension is the dimension where energy frequency and vibration are you know the key players of this dimension so i think that if we're able to understand the world through you know uh, the lens of cymatics which is uh, which is how sound or vibration expresses itself as matter and uh, they do all these very beautiful experiments where they have these grains of sand uh, you know on the trays and then they feed it a frequency and then based on the frequencies they make these incredible cymatic patterns uh, which look like sacred geometry and um, that principle is a fundamental principle that expresses itself all through nature in everything in including like atoms and protons electrons like from the smallest part of nature to the largest part of nature they all work on these fundamentals and i think it's it's unfortunate that these are not the things that we've been taught when we were children you know which is why i mean education is just such a sham unfortunately because i think that if if we were a generation that was exposed to this kind of understanding of the universe. Like math is the language of the universe. Growing up, I despised it. I thought of myself as like, uh, um, I, I kept convincing my parents I have dyscalculia because I just did not want to calculate anything. And I was like, why the hell should I be learning like algebra and trigonometry and all of these like nonsensical things that I'm never, never going to use in my life. But actually, I feel like if I was taught math, with the perspective of it mm. being the language of the universe through like sacred geometry um, and all of these incredible multidimensional modalities. I think that as a child, I would have been so much more fascinated by it because they, they're still fascinating. Like they're tripped out even now. Um, so I think that there's just so much work to be done, you know, in all of these to break down all of these systems and like recalibrate them. Yeah, there is totally. I feel like, I mean, yeah, it's like we're just not there yet anyway, where we know even the knowledge about how it all fits together. But mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But I love what you said before here as well. Like, as a child, you always felt like something just was wrong. And I think that's so many, because when you're a child, that I feel like that's when that kind of appears because you're just here, you don't really know what's going on, but it just didn't make sense, right? And mm -hmm. I just feel like so many of us have that connection. And a lot of the time, people just forget about it and then continue with their life. But yeah. to actually have that and to keep questioning, to deepening the question, like, and and to know and to live that, you know what I mean? This doesn't, mm -hmm. this is totally not right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Nothing yeah. makes any sense. Like, the way 
if you think about any of our systems they're so deeply flawed whether it's health or you know uh met the medical industry or farming food education science research like they're so heavily um totalitarian and so dogmatic and so incorrect unfortunately that you're spreading this like almost religious fundamentalism through these different um institutions through science you know it's scientific fundamentalism or through health or through um pharma or through education or through history whatever it is it's just it's unfortunate because i feel like a lot of people from what i've noticed are able to separate these things and are able to understand the building blocks of them uh in separation again so they're able to understand you know what maybe our education is compromised maybe our food is compromised as well our government seems like it's compromised and they're able to see like all of the different parts of the puzzle but they're not able to piece them together and i think the reason for that is that it just requires a lot of your own uh conviction and your own time and your own research and you know you have to be willing to go down several ra- rabbit holes to get to the bottom of all of these you know these questions um yeah so that's so true because the thing is to piece it all together is really important absolutely and, yeah but it's true not i guess it's part of the conditioning really like don't mm. question just take mm. what you've told you know <laughs> Yeah. I mean actually a very um I I read something very fascinating recently which was the introduction of so we know that our, our food is heavily compromised and I used to always I always knew why in terms of oh they want to keep us sick so that we can uh, so that we can be you know um customers for the pharmaceutical industry because the same people that own the agrochemical industries also own the pharma industries and there's complete synergy there so it's like a whole it's like this demonic cycle as i like to call it um but recently i read about um high fructose corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup is obviously one of the most prevalent uh sugar substitute not sugar concentrated uh sugar substitutes um in any generic food found in especially in america but like yeah, yeah. all of the west also anything that's imported um into any of our countries as well and it's like a it's a growing fad here as well and i know that there are there is some um there is some amount of like reaction to it now but we've been consuming these products for at decades at least from like what the second second industrial revolution for a long time and um i was reading about the fact that Oh, like overconsumption of a uh, high fructose corn syrup reduces the reduces the blood going to your prefrontal cortex which is basically the part of the brain that helps you make decisions and uh helps you critically analyze oh, situations wow. yeah. and it sends blood uh to the amygdala which is a, a reptilian brain which is in charge of you know your fight or flight and response to fear so they're actually not just conditioning you uh to be sick through your food they're also conditioning you to be scared and to be apathetic and to be helpless and to not be able to use your brain through your food which is just wild to me yeah man it's everywhere it's everywhere it's everywhere so, yeah so why did you come to london initially yeah um initially i i actually i came to escape 
I just wanted to run away. I wanted to, um, I just wanted to leave India. I didn't want to be here anymore. I just thought that, I mean, I don't know. I just had like wheels on my feet and I just wanted to leave. And it was this like, there was this, uh, I don't know, there was like this magnetic pull towards London. And it was not something that happened forever. It was very, it was very nascent when I took to it. And I came to study fashion. So I went to LCF. And I did my, um, I did like a fashion design course while I was there. So it was great. I really, really enjoyed my time in London, actually. It's, it'll always be my second home because I went back to live there as well. Um, very different from India, culturally. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it'll, be, it'll always be a special place for me. So when, when did you come back to live here? I came back to live there in 2018. Uh-huh. And I was there until uh, 2018 or 2019. I was there. And then basically, so when you first came here, you did a bit of traveling after that, right? Yeah. So when I first was there, I was there for probably like a year and a half, nearly two years. And then I went to New York. I went to circus school in New York, actually, which is bizarre. Yeah. (laughs) So I always, um, growing up, I'd always known that I, I challenged myself mentally but I, ne- I never felt like I'd actually challenged myself physically enough because I was always like sort of like uh, never really committed to something, you know, in terms of exercise, always like doing things, leaving them more like, you know, like picking up these fads and like over, you know, getting rid of them whenever I wanted to. And um, so I was like, I really want to do something and focus my attention on something proper and I was very fascinated. I was super fascinated by circus just because it's like so, it's such a mystical world. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually go learn um, to, like, I'm going to learn the aerial silks. And I came there and I was uh, learning from this company called Urban Circus NYC for also a year and a half. Um, I got to perform a little bit while I was in, while I was in New York as well, which was very fun. Um, so, yeah, it was great. And then I moved on to, um, I moved on to Italy, to Florence, to do my master's in fashion trend forecasting, which was by far the best educational course I've ever done in my life. Mm. It was a combination of philosophy, sociology, anthropology, uh, psychology, um, marketing, wow. and fashion. It was incredible, and it was the first time in my life that and like an educational institution pushed me to critically analyze information Mm, and I think the time it was amazing and the time of being there revolutionized how I thought and how I perceived information post that wow that's amazing some it does what it's supposed to do sometimes (laughs) (laughs) so do you think sorry no, I was, I was, it was very interesting because I never experienced that while I was in India at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in London as well, when I was in LCF, I think maybe the, maybe the course was very focused on, on fashion specifically. So there wasn't yeah. that much deviation. Uh, but it was, it was very fascinating that Europe, uh, because I was in Italy when I, you know, came upon this like different style of teaching. Uh, it was very fascinating to me that Europe was, was, you know, taught in that way. And uh, it, it started actually making me think about why people within European countries are much more free in the way that they think and, uh, you know, uh, ad- adhere to the concept of freedom 
much more uh, in a much more unequivocal manner than we as Indians do. Because unfortunately, I think a lot of people, at least from my social strata, we're a population that can be very easily subjugated, uh, which is very very unfortunate but th- at least this is what i've seen in my you know immediate reality and it yeah it just made me gauge the difference between like the european youth and the indian youth or the asian mm-hmm. youth for example mm-hmm. and i think your system of education definitely has a massive part to play in that you know development and understanding of autonomy and freedom and sovereignty mm-hmm. and you know very important aspects of life that we're just not exposed to over here i mean that's very interesting i mean it sounds like the course in Italy it's interesting because those topics you wouldn't necessarily put all together with fashion you know which is really cool but yeah you wouldn't yeah hearing you say that I'm just reflecting on my education in the UK and I feel like I definitely was especially English I would say that you know question things analyze things you know mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, but then it's an interesting thing as well because even if that is what you're taught, it takes a whole different level to be able to live that. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, as we can see, still in Europe, there, there's, yeah, <laughs> there's still. I mean, there's. <laughs> I feel like the way it's it's just it's a global phenomenon, isn't it? I don't think that there, you can say any country has tackled this better than any other. Um, I think that you can very easily talk about, you know, governments of countries that have tackled it far worse than others, without a doubt. You know, when you talk about like Australia, France, for example, or China, of course, which Canada. is horrible. But I do think on a, um, from like a global perspective, it's been kind of similar where people all sort of rode the wave yeah. and there were a few, you know, like misfits who were like, this doesn't sound right. Yes. And then I think everyone sort of, uh, you know, there's been an ebb and a flow. Mm-hmm. And I think people are now in the flow where they've realized that we don't need any of this shit. Like we yeah. can look after ourselves. We're fine. I feel like recently I noticed that there's just a lot people, it seems to be a bit more people talking about it. Just the oh yeah 100% years. I feel like more people are kind of speaking I've just noticed recently that there's a lot of people speaking on this whole past few years nonsense you know absolutely I think that once we shut up everyone else started talking <laughs> yeah did you, there's something happened right <laughs> yeah I think that um I mean Honestly, yeah, there's so many different ways to describe this. I feel like if you think of it from an energetic perspective, uh, we reached critical mass, which is mean, which means that enough people woke up, yeah, um, and that sort of sent like a wave of consciousness into yes. the collective, and the then wave. everybody started waking up. Yeah, um, so I like to look at it from that perspective, uh, and also I think that there was, you know, when you shout uh, information at people, <laughs> it doesn't quite work. which is is what I've experienced mostly in my life uh but like my my mom like this was very close to home for me because my um obviously my brothers and I were very against uh you know taking the jab and things like that 
And uh, my my mom and dad went and did it anyway. And we were very upset with them because it was it came from a place of love and it came from a place of, you know, concern for your family. And we knew that there was something not right with what was going on. Um, and now, you know, two years later, my, my, my granny got the shot, my uncles got the shot, my parents got the shot. And two years later, my granny's passed away. Um, she had... She did never ever had heart like a heart condition before getting the shot. As soon as she got it, her heart started failing. Um, it was an absolute shit show. And at that time, I didn't even want to say anything because I felt like you knew. I knew. We we all knew. Like my yeah. brothers and I definitely knew, and uh, we didn't want to say anything because we didn't want to sort of like place blame uh, because it just wasn't the time for that. It wasn't the time. But, yeah. No, because I, I think what everyone what I realized over time is that everyone just did the best they could everyone was trying to help everyone everyone was trying to help their families they were misinformed unfortunately which was a part of the agenda but all in all if you look at it from the larger perspective it was a very special time because all of humanity was trying to help each other it was incredible Uh, even the people that weren't in agreement with our perspective they were doing incredible things for each other. They were, you know, arranging all of these medicines that they thought at the time were the solutions to the problem. Uh, eventually, we found out they were the bigger problem from the problem. Um, but, you know, that's yep. what I mean. I feel like it's it's a classic way of using people's emotions and their fear and feeding them with the wrong information and to their own detriment. When actually what everyone was doing was literally trying to help each other uh, yeah literally mm. <laughs> so how is it now so after that sorry to hear about your grand that's crazy how old was she she was she was old she passed when she was 89 years old um she lived a full life so I mean I think it just is what it is my perspective on you know mm-hmm. on, on death has also evolved yes. quite a lot lately yeah. where I don't I don't think of it as an ending I know yeah. I know that she's around me I know that you know I can communicate with her if I want to um, and I know that she'll always be a part of me and she lived through me um, for the rest of my years. So it it was it's obviously sad when anyone passes because it's just the feeling of never having to see them again in this body, in this physical form. Um, but I what was very, uh, I, I just think everything happens for a reason. And my uncle and my parents were able to see what happened to her oh, wow. after it happened. So they were like, because, I mean, they experienced it themselves as well. My mom, um, who historically has never, ever had any problems with immunity, never had a cold, never had a flu, um, ever. Well, like through our entire childhood, we've never seen her be sick. Started falling sick all the time. My uncle had the same thing. He suddenly, you know, had like this um, array of issues that never existed at all before. So I think that, you know, wow, you try, you can try to change someone's reality and contort it even if to help them but at the end of the day everyone has to learn their own lessons in their own way and there's nothing you can do about it you can plant the seed but you can't control it that's so true so what did they just get the first two and then this all started happening yeah they got they got the first two and then they were very scared of getting another one they were just like fuck that shit it's not happening Yeah, yeah, I feel like that must have happened to a lot of people. I've mm-hmm. definitely heard from friends. Yeah, I mean, 
I feel like that's happened to a lot of people, but then I also know people who went and took a third and a fourth, you know, without any force. And that was just like, and I asked them because I, I, See, I've also reached a point where rather than like ridiculing someone from, for their decision, I just like to know the thought behind it. And I asked them, you know, uh, because these are all people that I consider intelligent, perceptive people. They may not have the same outlook on life as I do, but they're special and wonderful in their own way. So I, I wanted to know what compelled them to do that. And um, in fact, recently I spoke to one of my cousins who's, who lives in Australia. And he just said to me, well, you know, I just got a message on my phone saying it's time for your your fourth shot and I went and got it and I was like but if you got a message on your phone saying it's time to go jump off a bridge would you go do it like how deeply conditioned are we because I was like you recognized that there was an issue right after you took like the first three you realized that I don't actually need this this is not necessary for me but the fact that you went and did it anyway is in my opinion just this very unrealistic ridiculous um belief and faith in organizations but also administration which is crazy uh, also it sounds like cognitive dissonance because it's like yeah i know but i'm still gonna you know (laughs) yeah yeah mass that's what they call it right mass formation psychosis yeah that's the that's the uh study behind it yeah but it is it's basically everyone sort of doing something and although you're getting you know you're being bombarded now there's so much information about you know the reports like Pfizer's reports about how detrimental this thing can be for you and there's so much information about you know all of the sudden deaths and the myocardi- uh, myocarditis and the pericarditis and the um, array of like menstrual and reproductive problems that are you know happening mm-hmm. as a result of taking this and the fact that people are still unable to see it, I feel like one is a product of cognitive dissonance for sure, where they're just not able to assimilate the information because the conditioning is so powerful that they're not able yeah. to break out of it. And for yeah. these people, I truly hold so much space and have so much compassion and empathy for them because I feel so bad that that is what they're going through. And then I think that there's another set of people that are... um that are just trapped in their own ego, you know? And I think until there's a dissolution of that ego, that feeling of I'm right, until it goes away, because I think the most transformational thing in all of our lives, you know, whatever you want to call us, the people that have, you know, been through some kind of awakening in their own lives, the biggest, most important um, part of that, like the most important step was the dissolution of the ego. Yeah, was totally. realizing totally. that I don't know anything. Yeah, and I'm I not my ego. I don't know anything. Yeah. Mm. It's unnerving, you know? It's unnerving to be there. I feel like it's it's not fun and not everybody wants to be there. And I get it. I fully get it. I feel like I remember the times when, when I was there feeling like my whole reality is crumbling before my eyes and not having any grounding or any, you know, semblance of what is true and what isn't. Yeah, that wasn't fun. <laughs> mm. Yeah, totally. It's yeah, fascinating, really. So when did you... It sounds like you have definitely done a lot of digging into, you know, connecting the dots and also recognising the agenda, the bigger agenda at play. So when did all this happen? And I guess since after Italy, that obviously created this shift 
in the way that you are able to absorb information. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can you just speak about? <laughs> so growing up, I feel like I was very apolitical. I was very like hippie, like I don't care about what's going on in the world. It doesn't affect me and all of this. Um, and I really enjoyed being like that, to be honest. It was great. It was a really fun time in my life. Um, and then when I when I was in Italy, I was still like that. And um, I'd never, ever forget this because I know that it was my catalyst for awakening. And I, for that, I will be forever thankful. Um, Say that again? I said, I'll never, ever forget what my catalyst for oh. my awakening was. And I'll forever be thankful for it. It was very strange, but I think a lot of people sort of went through this at the same time. Where um, I remember there was so much talk about... Uh, this was during the election, uh, during uh, the election of, of Trump and Hillary. And it was, I think, 2018 at the time. And um, I wasn't really reading the newspapers or anything like that. But there was a lot of chatter, as there is a lot of bullshit chatter that was like in my purview. Um, that was like, like making its way into my subconscious without me even realizing it. And I I didn't really have any perspective on it, to be honest, because I didn't know anything about it. But I always felt like, I know a lot of people were talking about how Trump was really horrible, but I always felt like Hillary was a witch. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, there was just something about yeah. her that just like irked me, like really unnerved me. And um, so I didn't, I didn't really think too much of it. But I remember coming back and I, went, I met my older brother, who's five and a half years older than I am. Um, He's been, he's great. He's always been like a sort of like spiritual guide for me. Oh, and wow. uh, I went and met him when I came back and I said, so um, where it seems like we're on the cusp of World War Three, <laughs> And he was like, oh yeah? And he was like, oh, wow. what is this information that you're aware of that none of us are aware of? You know, like what's, what's going on? And I was like, no, I feel like, isn't everybody saying that Trump is going to start World War Three? And he just looked at me and laughed. And he was like, who's everyone? And I was like, I don't know. Just like everyone around me. And he was like, have you heard him say that? And I was like, no. And he said, have you heard him say anything? And I said, no. And then he said, so where are you getting your information from? So I said, just from, you know, other sources, like the media's perspective on it or like people's perspective on it. And all he said to me was, he said, just sit down and do your own research. And that's all. He didn't give me any perspective. He didn't give me any information. He didn't tell me, yes, no, you're right, you're wrong. None of that. He wow. was just like, you know what? Figure it out for yourself. He was like, what you're saying is bizarre. So sit down and figure it out for yourself. And um, I did. Yeah, I, I, I did do exactly that, actually. And it was insane. The kind of stuff that I found out just by sitting religiously every day at my laptop and researching as though my life depended on it was insane and that was obviously a time where YouTube and all of these you know um, uh, platforms had a lot of independent information as well now they're completely controlled so it's very difficult Mm -hmm. to actually get to the good stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but at that time it was very easy to dig and the first major rabbit hole that I that I went down that completely disintegrated my idea of reality was um, the satanic abuse of children and it just shattered me it was like nothing I'd ever read seen or experienced or known in my life before I was I just felt like I was so naive and I was living in this like world of like you know roses and butterflies and it was nothing like that 
and uh, I must have probably read and watched like over 500 testimonials of like children and adults that had been uh, abused and that had been, you know, that had been through some kind of ritualistic abuse. Uh, I also read about the, the immense propensity with which these pedophilic rings have their hold on society you know, from the companies that we're buying products from, all of these systems are fueling money and resources into this disgusting global practice. And it just shattered me. I I think I, I probably, I think I've cried more in those five months of research than I ever have in my entire life. Like I would just wake up and not be able to get out of bed because I was just helpless. You know, I would wake up and think that this is what's happening to children in my world. And I'm deeply connected to children. I always have been. And I felt like if this is what's happening to children in my world, I don't deserve to be happy. Like I don't deserve to wake up and go to work and have a life and have a, you know, have a relationship and have this like lovely family and this, these opportunities. I was like, what is the meaning of all of this? And what, like nothing means anything if this is what is happening. And it was very, very dark. It was very dark time. I feel like I was easily depressed for months on end. I wouldn't get out of my house, meet anyone, speak to anyone. I would just read all the time. I was just reading and assimilating information all the time. And then one day I had to just shut everything and stop reading about everything altogether. And because it went from like one rabbit hole to another, to another, to another, to another, which was very helpful because it went from like the, uh, you know, like the child sacrifice and the pedophilia to what the what governments are doing to their involvement in it, to, uh, you know, following the money to the central banking system, to how, uh, you know, the corporations own the, the governments, to how, you know, people are being subjugated, to how people are a part of these practices, you know, without even knowing it, we're a part of these, this like ritualistic uh, demonic systems uh, just by just in the way that we invest even our money makes a big difference because our money is a source of energy at the end of the day so it just it was it was crazy it was just like volleying from one thing to another to another and it was very difficult I mean I'm not gonna lie it was a very very difficult time it wasn't just hard for me it was very traumatic for my relationship as well I was seeing this very lovely guy uh, who is a dear friend now who is from London, who I moved to London to live with. And uh, it was horrible for our relationship for me going through that while he was unable to understand or empathize with what was happening with me. He was just like, I think you're going crazy. He was like, I legitimately think that you're going to need help because he was like, this is nuts. He's like, all you want to read about is this. All you want to talk about is this. You don't want to like get out and live your life and you feel like you have some kind of uh, incumbent duty that nobody else in the world sees or understands. And he was like, I'm worried for you. And, you know, eventually I was able to pull myself out of it. It it took some time, but I was able to completely do that. But I do think that it was very important that that happened to me. It was very, very important because my whole attitude of like, frivolousness and you know like oh I don't care about anything and nothing affects me like like while I was growing up oh I'm apolitical and blah 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 and all of this stuff it went away completely suddenly I was there I was present in that moment and it did affect me it like it was important to me what was happening in the world was important to me and being an agent of change in 
any way I could became my number one priority. In that moment, I was like, whatever I do, this is my divine purpose. And it's unshaken. It's, it's, I don't think it'll ever go away. Mm. Wow, I love that story. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that is part of the awakening because it's dark. My friend calls it the big, fat, ugly truth. <laughs> it is, absolutely. It's dark and it's the truth. And so we have to go there. We have to experience, we have to feel it. We have to know to really, if you really want to know truth, then that, that is it. And how we handle it is dependent on, like I guess what you were saying earlier, those bigger philosophies that will help us to, you know, really ground it so that we can really understand the why behind it, you know? Absolutely. And I think when I was younger, obviously this was um, three three four years ago now uh four years ago now I think when I just started like opening up to this information mm. and um yeah I do think that at that time I just didn't have the mechanisms to yeah. deal with that kind of information I wasn't evolved yes. enough as as a being to be able to deal with that information and I think that the the philosophy and being rooted in understanding what reality is yeah. uh, you know what karmic imprints are what our world is the duality the the illusion the delusion mm. um all of that the recognition of all of that completely obviously evolved my perspective on what's happening and it gave me the strength to fight it it empowered me to actually do something about it and not to just like sit in my bed and cry and feel like you know i'm hopeless yes. in the world like i'm helpless in the world well this is it it's because what's happening is it's spiritual you know and so it's so practical and physical as well like the pan mm -hmm. the pan the yeah poopdemic <laughs> and um, the lockdowns you know but at the same time there is something else going on here you know but when, absolutely when did you um when was this when you w went down the rabbit holes <laughs> so this was um in i think 20 18 this was 2018 early 2019 2018 yeah. 2019 yeah maybe more 2018 um and yeah what i what i did realize is that we are absolutely bang in the midst of spiritual warfare and um the the way to take up arms in spiritual warfare is strengthening and connecting with your own spirit that's the only way to do it because um i, I don't remember who said this but it will stay with me forever uh, protect your souls because we're in a place where souls get eaten. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I love that as well. I don't remember where I heard it, but I it resonated with me so deeply. And I was like, you know what? My entire focus actually needs to be exactly that. I need to protect myself before I can do anything about anything else. I mean, yeah, obviously it's a process. And I feel like sometimes we might go through all these different emotions through really seeing what's happening but I, I think this is the such an important thing and people are always coming to me saying what to do what what should we do and I just feel like it's actually really simple and you know basic and actually that is it you just need to go within you know and have Absolutely. that connection to source and that it's so strange because people a lot of the time think we need to fight we need to do this like, we need to act we need, you know <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm and you know, the thing is, honestly, I feel like we've all been there. 
and we've come to the conclusion and there, again there's a there's a beautiful line in the gita which expresses this incredibly which it says that um once we're able to remove ourselves from from the quagmire of delusion only then can we see truth and the quagmire of delusion is literally everything around us yeah so uh, i just thought that was a beautiful line and um, it it's true because honestly all of the information that we're talking about is all imprinted in our own dna Oof. it's just about recognizing it it's yeah. just about going inside connecting to source connecting what is source source is the deepest part of the self that is source that is god that is you know the supreme as we call it so and the supreme has all of the knowledge so i think that the more that we're excavating the knowledge that's given to us by these fragmented media sources i mean i think there's some amount of that that has to happen it's a part of the evolution but i think at some point you disconnect from that and mm. you just start going inward for the answers like mm. even Mm. lately when it comes to you know ukraine and russia like the newer sort of uh, yeah. upheavals that they're creating within the world monkeypox all of this dumb shit uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i think what rather than like you know looking up like a lot of information about it i just internalized it because i was like i've gotten to a point in my life where i've uh, deliberately strengthened my intuition it's a practice that i do every single moment of my life as much as i can um and i know that that is the part of me that's connected to god and if i have questions who better to ask than god mm love that yeah i think that's definitely the way forward what so did you when you went down the rabbit hole did you speak to your brother again oh yes so much i feel like i don't even know what i would have done without him wow. because having him and his wife they were my immediate family and support system and they were you know exposed to the same kind of information so it was very it was paramount having them because they were they were a big big part of my evolution and a big part of me not going completely crazy to be honest mm. because when i started speaking to my boyfriend at the time or my friends or anybody about it they were just like dude you my friend are batshit crazy <laughs> and uh, i think a lot of people got to know that because i've always considered my older brother extremely intelligent extremely perce- perceptive he's always been you know that uh sort of person in my life i knew that he was sort of like he was my voice of reason in some sense where if i was unable to if i was sometimes you know convoluted by outside perspective i would sit and break down information with him and even within our conversations our nuanced approaches to situations are very different which is brilliant i think that um he's able to deal with things in his own way and i'm able to deal with things in my own way and we're both perceptive in our own you know we have our strengths and weaknesses and they are they're different from each other so when we speak to each other we don't agree on everything which is great because then we're able to challenge perspectives within perspectives you know and i think that that's a misconception people have that there is this umbrella or blanket of information and then everybody within that blanket agrees with everything each other say when that's not the case at all i mean we're individual human beings at the end of the day you know where um we're so nuanced and so detailed in our own understanding and our own conditioning our own programming our own mannerisms that our thoughts can never be identical to another's mm. and that's why i don't like being put 
you know, like categorized as anything at all. Mm-hmm. I just like being me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like that's also the way the truth works. It's not like, it's just not black and white. Yeah. And I feel like these past few years, if it showed us anything, is that it's not black and white. It's not black and white. It's definitely yeah. not printed in black and white because that is some bullshit. What do you mean? I mean, our newspapers have been so uh, rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I open it. So the only thing that my newspapers are used for at home now is to like clean my dog's pee. And I think it's just such a brilliant metaphor for like life. You know, I think that is where the news should go. Love that. <laughs> That's so good that you had your brother that you could turn to because yeah especially if people were calling you crazy like you know that's yeah yeah that's really really good yeah what um so what happened after this moment then so you managed to find it and then you moved back to India or so I was already in India when I was uh when I was sort of like exposed to this this information I was having this upheaval and uh, and then I was here for a little bit and then I moved to London and oh. I was, uh, I, I moved there to, you know, be with my boyfriend at the time and that didn't unfortunately work out. Um, I mean, not unfortunately, I don't think anything is unfortunate anymore, actually. I think everything happens exactly as it is meant to because in that moment, that felt like the worst thing ever. Like, oh my God, I love him so much and it's not happening. It's not working out. We're not together. And then I came back and... Um, uh, we actually broke up when I was already in India. And, uh, you know, I, I think that when you're experiencing these things, especially if you're not aware of the bigger plan, they feel so real and they feel like they're completely like shaking your reality. And you don't know what life is going to be after that because there's such like transcendental change, you know. And um, yeah. I think that when you're able to retrospectively, look at it you know that it everything just happened exactly as it was meant to like I was meant to be in India now I was meant to be by myself because this journey that I've undergone was a completely individualistic journey I had to do it on my own I could not do it with anybody else I wouldn't have never been able to do it with anyone as I could do it by myself Mm -hmm. and I think that it was so important for me to be in this moment now that everything just has just worked out exactly as it should I've never been happier Mm. so when you came back you basically there was more discovery there was more oh that oh yeah so when I came back the the best thing about coming back to be honest was uh the connections that I made when I came back Mm. so I started like posting on Instagram and there was no intent there was no like you know like overarching intent that oh, I want to like do something with this or whatever. Like as, you know, people who get into it to do the influencer thing or whatever, do it with that intent. There was nothing like that. It was just that I want to put out information and I want to challenge perspectives mm-hmm. and I want to, you know, um, make people a little bit uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> break them out of their preconceived notions and see uh, see if they resonate with it. It's all right if they don't, but um, that was the idea with which I started. And uh, yeah, it was the it was just this beautiful synergy by which I got acquainted with this incredible group of people uh, that are in Bombay and that are within India. 
wow. uh, who are all on the same journey and who have all uh, had you know been through this awakening in in their own way mm-hmm. and um, come come to their own conclusions and you know sort of like magnetized towards each other and yeah it it was like reconnecting with my soul family it feels like that you know mm. like i have such deep love for these people and i don't even know them very well <laughs> what's in there yeah there's definitely been a lot of that happening it's amazing it's just yeah. you know, when you can just be authentic yeah exactly find you yeah yeah and it's great you know i feel like I feel like we were meant to find each other because we were meant to be a big part of propelling each other to do this work together. Mm. It's 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 not work that you can do alone and it's not work that you can do competitively. It yes. is a it's a collaborative effort, you know, and it's it's just it's so beautiful because it's just so easy. Like you know when I see them it's it's lovely like I'm happy for them I'm happy for all of their successes I want them to do really well I want them to succeed at whatever they're doing there's no sense of like oh is this person doing this better than me or you know like all of these like 3D uh feelings of like you know what is better what is worse and like the the feelings of lack they've just yeah. left and I feel like there's mm. this just we've arrived into the space of abundance where there's space for everyone to do their work you know and it's beautiful and i'm so appreciative of it because i know that without um without one person doing what they have to another person doing what they have to my work becomes intangible it's mm-hmm. it's really really important that you know this all sort of comes together in this perfect synergy and that's exactly what's happening that's so cool <laughs> but um yeah i guess this is like separate to your job this is like the soul work <laughs> yeah, this is the soul work, but I feel like lately um so I worked in fashion for 5 years and then in high street fashion, then I realized that uh I don't like it at all. Wow. Like I realized that it just wasn't my cup of tea because there was it was so maligned by animosity and greed and this feeling of like extreme competition and extreme reliance on uh on just these like very uh i don't know these these like physical structures that i wasn't uh resonating with anymore at all and it became difficult for me like it started making me feel very empty to be part of that industry that functioned like that um so i got into organic food which is basically uh, my parents started this brilliant company called the organic garden when uh, about 10 years ago when organic food wasn't even a thing in india wow. and uh yeah they were like among the trailblazers in the field it was amazing and i was always very keen on it because we've been eating organic food for the past decade and i know that it's changed um our like our health as a family a lot even our cognitive development like i felt my brain change uh through like the you know uh, subtraction of chemicals in my body that i think it's made a massive difference um So yeah, I was very uh I was always very passionate about the purpose, but I never took it up before 2021, which is when I was like I can't do the fashion thing anymore. So I'm going to see if I can like market this because it's it's very important to me for people to understand what organic food is and why it's necessary and what soil regeneration is because that, that is the future. Like people need to the more people start eating eating organic and i'm not saying you know come to my company and everybody eat from organic garden that was not the point of it the point was to put information out there so that everybody in this space you know like starts making 
starts making real waves within the industry because that was very necessary. And while that is happening, there was always a part of me that just told me that I need to, in some way, shape or form, go back to fashion. I don't know why. It's just like this. It's like this. I, I, you know, I, I can feel it. Like I can feel it when it's a mind thing. I can feel it when it's a body thing. And I can feel it when it's a soul thing. Mm-hmm. And this was a communication from my own spirit. And it was telling me, you know, while you're doing all of this, which is great in the interim and you're learning a lot, and that's fine. But your your purpose now is to infiltrate fashion and to disrupt it in the way that you think it should be. Um, which is why I'm currently actually working on a on a fashion brand. Um, which is set to launch very soon uh, by the end of the month, the beginning of next month. And the idea is to use design and uh, creativity to put out concepts of truth and love and revolution and the awakening and, you know, what it means to be one, what it means to be a collective, what it means to be interconnected, uh, you know, put out all of these messages into the world and, I think that I think it is the future. I think conversation, discourse is the future. We need to start talking to each other about these incredibly transcendental concepts so that they just become a part of our norm. You know, yeah, it is a totally. way to to raise the collective consciousness. It is a, it is a way to transcend the ages. Uh, it's just I, I just think that that is I felt more authentic and more like myself working on this brand than I ever have doing any work in my life so I'm Mm. super super excited about it and the more I work on it the more I started realizing that at least for me my purpose and my work can't be two separate entities they they need to be one it needs Mm. to be the same thing that there needs to be like a you know a thread that ties through it and I read this about I read what you put up recently as well which I which I found beautiful where you spoke about music and uh, how music affects your mind and affects your behavior and affects, you know, people and uh, populations and surroundings and circumstances at large. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a part of your purpose, you mm. know, and you so beautifully tied it into your life. And I think the the more and more people start awakening to their own purpose and realizing why they were put on this planet, mm-hmm. uh, the more beautiful the yeah the more beauty and happiness and peace we're gonna see very very soon I love that I feel like yeah when you create your own thing it's just it's just fun you know you just do what you want in the way you like to do it yeah (laughs) yeah um but that's so cool I'm looking forward to uh seeing more more of that I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna be I'll come by to London and you know have like all of my friends in London try it out and have like a photo shoot there I'm very excited because it's very important for me to for for this to be a global movement for me because it's not something that's limited to India it's not something that we're experiencing as Indians we're experiencing this as a global population that's true yeah yeah so um yeah, how do you see it now? Like, so just now with regards to like what's been happening since 2020, you did share a bit already with like your parents and it's and again it's so cool. You have your brothers, I think you said, but um, but yeah, it's always good to have support, you know. <laughs> it is, yeah, massively. Yeah, what um, 
It's mad. I just think so much has happened since 2020. It's crazy. So much has happened. Yeah, it's been crazy. I think it's mm. it's been great to be honest. I feel like for it was it, it, it was sad in the start because a lot of people suffered the pandemic, the pandemic very uh, deeply. And uh, including, you know, from any social strata, it didn't actually matter. Like everybody had their own trials and tribulations, you know, whether it was mental health issues or whether it was uh, financial, economical problems. There were problems on every um, level, you know. Uh, So I I do think that I was very, I could feel all of that at that time. Um, But I think that in 2022, in the now, that has changed massively. And a lot of people that you speak to will speak very positively of their graph from the beginning to the end of this whole uh, lockdown or, you know, whatever. Because people got a chance to work on themselves. People got a chance to really go inward, to, you know, take up a hobby, to connect to a very special part of themselves that they probably lost along the way. You know, so and that's why there's this brilliant line, which I absolutely love, uh, which is they tried to cause a pandemic uh, and they ended up causing the Great Awakening. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, where do you feel like um, now and moving forwards? what do you see unfolding and what do you think is important any any thoughts so i feel like moving forward obviously there is a you know if you read about agenda 2030 or you read about the great Mm -hmm. reset so all of that is definitely in action it's already in play where we're able to see snippets of it through um they've just cloned uh successfully cloned an arctic fox in China and uh, although I don't personally think that that's the first successful clone to be honest but uh, I think that it was important to put that into culture because that's obviously gonna now metastasize into something else Mm. and the transhumanist agenda is everywhere we're already seeing people being microchipped Uh, you know we're seeing the social credit score uh, in China starting to you know make its way into uh, like pockets of other countries which is very scary Uh, We're also seeing the introduction of central bank digital currencies um, as cryptocurrencies, which which is very scary because in that way, it ties into the social credit score. So if you hold um, that money as your, you know, as your main digital currency uh, Mm -hmm. based on your behavior and based on what is approved and not approved like you and I having this conversation right now could uh, deplete our money like the bank could take it away saying that we don't approve of what you're talking about and it's just a it's a it's a very scary um, it's a very scary like part you know agenda of control uh, and of taking away our power and replacing it with these like AI robotic people 
there's also a lot of talk suddenly about UFOs, which is going to be fascinating. I wonder <laughs> what they're going to do with that. Because, I mean, we've been talking about UFOs and aliens and all of these things for years mm-hmm. and years now and being called crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the CIA says that, oh, actually, aliens do exist. No, actually, yeah, maybe we, you know, we're going to make contact with them at some point. Not that we haven't, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's it's just interesting to see the development of these narratives and where they take them because um i don't think i don't think enough of the world is really aware like we discussed of the overarching agenda i you know they're able to see the bits and parts but they're not able to piece it together yeah. uh, which 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 is a vulnerability at our end as a as a people mm-hmm. um but i do think that so again, when things seem out of your control in the physical, I always like to you know look at it from an energetic perspective. And if you look at it from an energetic perspective, you realize that the best thing that every single one of us can do is literally to raise our own frequency. Because when you raise your own frequency, when you're moving from the alpha to the omega state, and when you're closer to the expanded states rather than the contracted states, you actually um, counterbalance a lot of people that are in the contracted states, mm. as we've experienced now. You know, so many people have suddenly woken up to this reality um, who were completely against the things that we were talking about. And why has that happened? That's happened because we authentically grounded into whatever we needed to, and sort of like raised our own frequencies, and and that um, had a had a collective impact. So mm. I think that the only thing that we can actually really do. Uh, number one from an energetic perspective is that uh, work on yourself every single day all the time because there is no bigger project than you um, and that will just be a forever thing Um, secondly a big part of the how how to sort of replicate that in the physical world is um, just go back to the basics learn to live like your ancestors did learn to farm learn to preserve food learn to uh, you know uh, grow your own uh, vegetables grow your own uh, you know have your own sort of like create your own build your own structures have your own energy sources whether that's uh, you know figuring out how to invest in solar energy and you know although I'm not the biggest fan of the current renewable sources of energy because I know that they're uh, very depleted compared to what we can have in terms of like electromagnetic energy and like these incredible concepts that haven't been uh, that haven't been allowed to make their way into our reality. I do think that it's very important to be able to harness these natural sources of uh, our natural resources in many ways. Um, yeah, so it's very important, you know, sustainable building, uh, changing the way that we consume as a population, uh, cleaning up our food, learning to invest in organic, learning to, uh, you know, be part of these regenerative practices that actually help the earth transform because that's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to replicate it through all of the dimensions and through all of the realms because it is our responsibility to do that, whether or not we understand it. It's it's only up to us because we're all that's there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all of it requires, all of what you said is requiring responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Radical, radical responsibility. I think that is the name of the game for the future. Yes. We're done. You can't blame anything on anyone anymore. You can't, yeah. you can't be a victim anymore. That time is over because it's yeah. not serving you at all. It's never going to serve you again. To be honest, there was those two years where 
you know, the whole world was going crazy and everybody was very rooted into their victimhood. Uh, yeah. And it was sort of being encouraged by the media and yeah. culture and all of that. And that'll keep happening. But I think a lot of people have realized that it's very important to transcend from that mm-hmm. and uh, and just take responsibility for what's happening in your life. Yeah, totally. It's time to move forwards from that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to mention, because you were talking about the digital currency and control, uh, there was something that happened recently with PayPal in the US. I don't know if you heard mm-hmm. about it. Mad they basically changed their policy and they started mm-hmm. to say like if you are basically spreading misinformation they have I the right, about that yeah, yeah. to take away two thousand five hundred dollars from your paper like that and then crazy. they turned around because people started kicking up a fuss and then they turned around and said oh sorry it was a mistake mistake yeah like oh it wasn't <laughs> supposed to be there like what crazy <laughs> No, I mean, there's definitely going to be a massive pushback. You know, there's this movement yeah. called Go Woke, Go Broke. And there's a reason that it's gained so much momentum is because no one's going to accept this shit. At the end of the day, people are good, hardworking people, you know, barely scraping through, trying to make a living. And if you're going to tell them that you're going to um, morally police them and take away their money, their assets, they're going to be like, fuck you. and yeah absolute that's absolutely right i mean whoever it is um whatever the agenda behind it you can't infringe on people's people they already infringed on our rights they infringed on our humanity they infringed on our sovereignty our autonomy but i think people are far more concerned with money yeah that's so true if you infringe on people's money and they're gonna fuck your shit up <laughs> <laughs> i think that's true no? um I was gonna say yeah so are you hopeful for what's to come it's obviously a massive transformation the the tumbling down is is happening right now but Mm -hmm. honestly I don't know if I'm an optimistic fool or like what you want to call me but I fully am I I I've always been like a I've always been a lover of life I love life and I love everything that comes with it, you know, whether it's the challenges, whether it's the the sorrows, whether it's the any anything that comes in form in the form of an intense experience, whether it's good or bad. I've always found reason to love it and to not just endure it, but like live it, you know. And I think that I'm very fortunate to be around people with very similar perspective who know how to enjoy life even through all of the craziness and who are very well aware of what's happening around us, but are still able to, you know, like let it go for like, let it go and sort of focus on their own development as well. And, uh, you know, like stream back into it and out of it. And I think that's necessary. Um, So yeah, I'm perennially hopeful always. I think that there's, I think, um, I, I don't even know if hope is the right word for it. I just feel like, I just feel like we're going to do it. We're going to do do something, you know? I I don't think that we're going to so easily be uh, beaten because if we really think about the numbers, although they have a lot of the occult information and knowledge that we're we're not privy to, unfortunately. But I think that even, um, even this like pockets of people gaining recognition of who they really are and grounding within themselves and their own purpose, I do think that there is something 
that I can feel on a very, very, very big magnitude that's happening. You know, there's there's a, yeah. a massive shift that we're undergoing. And I, I think it's I think it's gonna be brilliant. I'm very excited to see what the future holds. Yeah, totally. Mm. It's exciting. <laughs> and um yeah. Uh do you have anything to share? Because I feel like what you described earlier when you really went down the rabbit hole and it was such a shock to really recognize that what the darkness the levels of darkness that's taking place in the world and i feel like that is part of the process do you have anything to share with anyone who else who might be just discovering that now you know if i think of if would there be anything that could pacify me at the time that I was experiencing that? Um, yeah, there would be. I think number one is like communication, companionship. You know, if you have a circle of people that are open to understanding you or empathizing with you, I think that there's there's nothing that can compare to that, obviously, having a support system. But obviously, for a lot of people, those support systems aren't very easily available. And I've experienced that a lot. A lot of people write to me on my Instagram saying they feel, they feel very lonely and very isolated going through this alone. And I, I know that that is a part of the journey as well. Um, but I do think that taking to philosophy has helped me massively. I do think that, you know, reading about stoicism, reading about... Um, Sanatan Dharma, you know, anything about the Vedas, about the Bhagavad Gita, about any stories of awakening, um, you know, even about like entheogenic plants, whether it's a Terence McKenna or like an alternate history, whether it's a Graham Hancock. I think just acquiring information that's positive and goes against the norm in some mm. way. I think when you start reading about these brilliant people who are, you know, scientists and philosophers and astrologers talking about things that the mainstream narrative doesn't consider real, when you hear these people talk about that stuff, you're like, you know what? These people are actually brilliant. They have done so much study, like years and years of study in their field of research. And if they're saying that what we're being told is incorrect, then yeah lots of shit is incorrect yeah. and I think this entire reality that's been simulated for us it's an illusion and once you break the illusion it can never recreate itself it's just done it's brilliant and that's my favorite part of it once you are awake you are awake forever eternally you're never going back to sleep you're there you're already there your frequency is there the rest of you will get there Mm. I love that yeah and then even from there there's so much there's just so much to be discovered <laughs> there's so much to be discovered that's life and it's great and I'm so happy that we have each other to talk about these things with and share these perspectives yeah. with because it's it's such a brilliant part of being a human you know being able to communicate with each other and mm. I just that's it's my favorite part of life, you know, and I yeah. really, really hope that we we never lose that. It's so it's so integral to our to our development as a species. I love that. I feel like I've always felt that way 
from a very young age. Like, I love speaking to people, learning from people, hearing their stories, just, you know, learning from their upbringing. And, and it's interesting because I feel like these past two years, it has, in a way, it has ta- taken up... I think people got a bit comfortable with, like, not really going out as much and all sorts. It's crazy. Yeah. So, like, maybe they're trying. <laughs> <laughs> but especially when it's speaking about this journey, I feel like it's so important because it's, there's so many stigmas you know and in a way it feels like sometimes you can't speak you know mm-hmm. like no let's talk about, and like you said earlier let's make it normal you know yeah let's make it normal I feel like that's been my biggest uh my biggest and and that is a part of my journey for sure is to normalize these conversations yeah. and to normalize these topics you know and and to be like well if this is not what you want, you want. If this is not what you want to talk about, then what do you want to talk about? Like <laughs> dumb shit, like the financial system, which is always a fucking mess. Like, what do you want to say? You know, there's <clears throat> the world is so full of magic and beauty. Um, I I feel like if you're just able to see everything through the eyes of a mystic, Ooh. everything just becomes everything just becomes beautiful you know and that's the life I want to live and that's what I want to talk about and that's why I want to uh that's the the reality that I want to envision for us as a planet as well just magic mm, yes more magic <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much amazing thank you for having me yeah I loved I loved having this chat with you it was really really fun yeah. um I definitely, I definitely will come to London. I'll definitely see you at some point yes. in time, in person, when we actually do know each other and we're yeah. just like <laughs> random people. But I'm also probably going to be in Bombay at some point as well. So really, okay, that would be very exciting. <laughs> definitely hit me up. I yeah. can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> this I has been great, you. Jess. Thank you so much for having me. So I do like to just finish on this one question, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is, what does freedom mean to you? Ooh. Big one. Big one. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I've never been free. Woo. When I thought I've thought about freedom in my own life, and I've never been free. What I thought was freedom when I was a child was just a cage within a cage. And then every time I got out of one cage, I realized actually I'm in an even bigger cage. And then I got out of that cage, I realized I'm in an even bigger cage. And then eventually I realized, you know what, I'm just in a freaking zoo and I can get out of one cage and another, another, but I'm, am I ever actually free? So I've never, ever felt free before now, before like this year and this moment where I feel like I'm finally free because I'm able, I've been able to free my mind in a way you know and I think that the shackles aren't just physical and they're not just on our physiological self they're obviously our minds are enslaved and the ultimate freedom is to free yourself from what the system tells you is to free yourself from what society tells you and to not give a flying fuck that is my ultimate freedom mantra just do what you got to do stay rooted and grounded to your purpose and don't give a flying fuck what anyone else thinks and it will be the freest you've ever felt in your entire life Mm, love that 
Yeah, I feel like I could see that because you you've definitely been expressing yourself really honestly <laughs> online. So, <laughs> but it is an amazing feeling. It's great, yeah. And you know, the thing is, I've gotten to a point where I think people um, expect it from me. So mm. a lot of people ask me, "Do you get hate? And do you get like you know people uh, fighting with you and things like that?" And it used to happen initially. Doesn't happen anymore because people just know who I am now. They're just like you know, that's what she is and that's what she believes in, and. We're not going to fuck around because there's just no point in it. I'm yeah. really glad to be here. I love that. It's so interesting. It's really cool though. Just give you the space to do it. Yeah. And, also, and that's why it's so important to be authentic. Yeah. Is because once you're authentic, no one no one can shake your center. And also, it's like you're grounded in this is my message. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the 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 most important thing is you know what? Share your perspective and just don't care what anyone thinks about it. There's some people that will love it. There's some people that will despise you for it. Um and there's some people that will be sort of neutral, think you're a bit of a quack and just it is what it is, you know. <laughs> you yeah. can't be too bothered. You just have to like do your own thing and go along your own way and try to fight with as few people as you mm-hmm. possibly can. <laughs> Definitely, I love that. It's um, it can be hard, I think, definitely. But I feel like that's the journey. That's how we rise into this authenticity and the responsibility. You mm-hmm. just can't, you cannot be uh, uh, like offended by all of that. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. So good to hear. Your Thank you, Jess. Of your rising. Yeah. It's been great. Thank you. I mean, I feel like I haven't spoken about these things to anyone in a very long time wow uh, yeah it was like reliving these things for me as well which is great which is mm. really fun yeah nice. watching my own journey you know yeah yes recalibrating mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing cool I'll thank put your you link jess below and everything perfect lots of love thank you see you soon Thank you so much for listening to this episode and to this podcast. We hope that you can gain many insights through the art of listening. If you haven't already, we would love it if you can follow us on YouTube, on Instagram, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that feels right for you. We've also just launched our first online course, Awakening 101. A Ninja's Guide to Navigating Your Spiritual Awakening, which is led by me and is offered via donation. So if you feel called to that, then please dive in. It's available via our website. Thank you.